Hi, this is Ryan Roberts, and you're listening to The Millennial Preacher, the show where we talk about tough subjects and answer the hard questions. I hope it's both positive and encouraging, but I also hope it challenges you in all the right ways. Well, I'm excited, so let's get going with today's show. Good goat, everybody. Can you believe it? It is September 2020. We only have a few more months left in this year. That sounds so surprising to me. It just doesn't make sense to my mind because I feel like we have lost so much time this year. I mean, think about it. It was back, really, it was back in January that the coronavirus kind of began to uh, peer its ugly head up. But uh, I know that here in the United States, in Georgia. We really had some issues beginning in March, and then it continued into April and May, and we had lockdown and all sorts of things, and it is still going on. And of course, we're praying against these things. I want to remind you that we are in a fallen world, and and so sickness and things like that is unfortunately a reality, but it does not come to a surprise to the Lord our God, and He is faithful to see us through. And so I hope that encourages you. Um, A little confession, it has been so long since I've been able to sit down and record some fresh new episodes for you guys. Every time I try to sit down, it seemed like something happened that prevented me from being able to record here on the Millennial Preacher Show. However, I want to let you know, I, I, I actually did get coronavirus. I got COVID-19 um, several weeks back, but I am doing much, much, much better thankfully. And so I wanted to let you know there's been some various reasons why I haven't been able to sit down. Um, It's not a a matter of whether or not I want to or desire to. It is simply that there is craziness going on in the world. And I think you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's so many things going on. Um, I am excited for uh, the next several months because I believe we're going to have some brand new episodes with some new interviews with some uh, prominent Christian leaders in the church of today that can give us some encouragement and also propel us to grow further and further into our walk. And that is what we're all about here at The Millennial Preacher. We are all about caffeinated Christianity. Well, caffeinated Christianity, that is uh, being away and propelled and ready and willing to do whatever it takes to further the kingdom and spread the gospel. It's being empowered, but not by our own strength or will, but by the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we're about here at The Millennial Preacher. We always hope to provide you with resources and tools for your personal walk. Uh, and hopefully you share that with your friends, your family, your pastor, your church, your small group. Um, hopefully you share that on social media. Um, we do see that. And I'm very thankful to all of our loyal listeners. Well, maybe you're a loyal listener. Thank you for coming back to us. Maybe you're somebody that's brand spanking new. We are so happy. We like to have a little fun and joke around, but we do talk about hard subjects that maybe we don't get to talk about on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights and things like that. And we hope to dive in deeper, especially right now. A lot of churches are not able to meet, not able to do uh, quote unquote normalized uh, church services. A lot of are taking advantage of doing things online. And we're very thankful we have those capabilities. But I hope this is just one more outlet, one more connection uh, to help propel you and again, help you uh, in your future. Also want to let you 
you know we have something pretty cool that's um that's happened we now have the official millennial preacher youtube channel so right now if you log on to youtube and you check that out you'll see episode number one that'll give a little bit of a explanation of what the millennial preacher is what we do what we believe in what we hope to do in the future and also it gives you a little bit of encouragement from the book of galatians on youtube we hope to not share very long episodes everything hopefully will be 10 minutes or less so i hope that is just one more source uh that we um are able to provide for you and of course on the millennialpreacher.com you can find blog posts you can find discipleship tools and resources and teachings i hope to provide um some classes on there to you for free coming very soon we hope to provide a holy spirit class um for free online so i hope that's coming up very soon and i hope that you check that out well Gosh almighty, what in the world are we going to talk about today? I want to let you know that a few uh, weeks ago, I was invited to preach an outdoor uh, open-air service in the midst of this uh, pandemic that we're all dealing with right now. And as I prayed about what in the world the Lord would have me to preach on during that time, we wasn't able to be inside. It was it was very hot. It was uh, right in the smack dab in the middle of summer here in Georgia. And so um, I really prayed what what message would God want me to talk about? What story from the word could help us during this time? And he led me to talk about the fall of Jericho found in Joshua chapter 6. And so um, if you're in a place where you want to put down some notes or something like that, I hope that you write down at the top of the page Joshua chapter 6, 1 through 17, and that you read that later after the show. And I want to share some some teaching, some insight to some things that I feel like the Lord showed me. And I hope that it helps you during this pandemic. Maybe you're a mom or dad, and, and right now you're trying to homeschool kids, or maybe you, you've sent them back to school and, and you're concerned about that. I hope this is something that, that will help you in your personal walk. Maybe you're a, a teenager and you just need somebody uh, to tell you that you matter, that you're, that you're a joy, a pleasure, you're an incredible person. Uh, maybe you're a preacher and you need somebody to say, keep going, pastor, preacher, uh, keep going, keep going, prophet, keep pushing. People are listening. It is making a difference, even if you physically can't see it right now. Wherever you're at, maybe you're none of those things. Maybe you're a lay person. Maybe you're um, somebody that just happened to stumble upon this and you're looking uh, for something to help get you through your day. And I hope that this will do that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the context of Jericho. I never really thought too much about the context of it um, because, you know, it's one of those stories I think that we talk about and we learn about, and there's some children's songs and things like that that we talk about in uh, Vacation Bible School days, if you can think back to those days, if you experienced that, or Sunday school when you're a child. It's one of those stories that sounds like a cute little story, walls falling down for children, but that's not really the context of the story. It wasn't uh, the sweet little children's story. This is a real thing that happened. We have evidence that Jericho was a real place and that there was something that happened that caused mass destruction. Uh, and so the context is um, the Israelites, as God's chosen people, were promised land from God, but they had to obey what the Lord commanded and that they would be given it, but they were afraid and it was 
difficult because they saw the inhabitants of the land that was theirs, and so they didn't have it. If you if you think back to the book of Numbers, uh, specifically chapters thirteen through fourteen, um, we talk we talks about Joshua and Caleb, which were two of twelve spies. They believed that the Israelites could conquer the land and gain what God promised them, um, but it, it just didn't work out that way. Uh, the people were were afraid, and so God told the Israelites that an entire generation would have to die off, but their children would inherit the land. But Joshua and Caleb, however, because they were different, they had a different spirit about them, which we know was the Holy Spirit, that they would eventually enter the promised land, even though a whole generation would have to die off. In fact, Joshua will become a great warrior and victor. Um, Now, when they first spied the land, they were middle-aged men, but it was estimated that by the time uh, we reached the city of Jericho uh, later on in Joshua, Joshua was 101 years old. Can you imagine waiting for something for that many years, something that you thought was going to come early in your life so you could appreciate it maybe in a different way, but just think about the faith that it took to wait that long to the point you were 101 years old. After the death of Moses, God chose Joshua to be the leader of the Israelite people. So when we talk about Joshua, who is at the Battle of Jericho, he is the leader of God's chosen people. What an incredible thing to think about. So let's let's read a little bit together in Joshua, talking about the fall of Jericho. Starting in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was shut up on the inside and the outside because of the people of Israel. That tells me that they were afraid of God's people, the Israelites. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, again, he's the leader, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. And when they make a long blast for the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were taking the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle around the city, going around it twice, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose up in the early morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpeters blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days." 
On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they had marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 17, And the city and all that was within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. What a story. What a lot going on there. Let's think about it. If God asked you to do something that looked absolutely ridiculous to people, would you do it? Have you ever thought about that? I've thought about that a few times. You know, it it, it was just a few years ago that we saw images of ISIS beheading Christians. And all these Christians had to do was renounce Jesus and claim Allah as the one true God, and they would have been saved. They would have been set free. Uh, Their families wouldn't have been tortured. Um, it, It would have saved their life. But would it really? These people were facing certain death, a very gruesome, I can imagine, very painful, uh, very unpleasant, to say the least, death, and yet they refused to renounce Jesus Christ. But then I compare it to my life as a Westerner, as someone who doesn't know that true persecuted feeling, as someone who has the freedom of religion in our country and who's able to worship as I choose and worship in any way that I desire and whoever I desire. And not only that, but I also have the ability to say I don't want to worship at all and to not claim to a certain faith or a certain religious belief. And, and, and it's hard for me to imagine if I was facing that situation, would I be able to still stand and say that I stood on the foundation, the solid rock, Jesus? I'd like to believe I would. I hope I would. I pray I would. But when I think about my life today, how difficult is it for me to go into the marketplace, to go to Walmart or Kroger or whatever your favorite store is? And minister to people, witness to people, not in a judgy, condemning way, but in a way that preaches love and and tells them that there is a reason, a hope and, and, and joy for their life today. Do I do that? You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't do it nowhere near as much as I wish I did. And I, I know that the Bible talks about the gift of evangelism, the office of the evangelist. And I know there are certain people that is called to that. But in reality, if we uh, look at the word of God, we're all called to the minister of reconciliation. And that is bringing sinners to God through Jesus. So we all have a role and duty to play. Now, let's not just think about evangelism. Let's think about our personal lives. You know, like I've already said earlier when talking about COVID, we're in a fallen world. We're in a world where sickness exists and disease exists and um, hard times, they come, they happen. Um, things aren't always perfect and peachy. We're, we're not the Waltons on TV. We are real people living in real life in a real world with real problems, real jobs, real children, real spouses, uh, we, real uh, parents, real siblings, all those things. We're, we're amongst a real fallen world. And so we can expect that things are going to happen that we may not expect or we may not be prepared for. What do we do during that time? Do we just blame the devil? Do we just throw up our hands and say, well, he's in control? Well, we really shouldn't do that. And, and I'm not saying that the devil doesn't come to kill, still destroy. He certainly does. And that's something that we have to deal with 
as Christians, as people, we we have to understand that there is a very real devil who hates us and can't stand us because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And as Christians, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. So he despises that. He, he hates us for those purposes and reasons. But understand that not every single bad thing that happens was from Satan. Now, understand, I'm again, I'm not saying that the devil doesn't come to do things and, and to cause havoc. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that we give him far too much credit. You know, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I stub my toe on, on my bedpost, it's probably not the devil that caused that. It's probably just that I was not paying attention. Maybe I was a little off balance because I just woke up or something like that. And understand, I'm not going to blame the devil for something that... You yeah, it was painful and unpleasant. I didn't expect it. didn't want to happen. But it's just part of being human. It's just part of being in the fallen world. And so things happen. But when it happens, we have to understand and come to a place as believers that we have authority and power found in Jesus. Not for our glory, not so we can say, look at how great and wonderful we are, and, and not so we can gain something from it, but so we can glorify God. And so when things happen that we maybe don't expect or don't desire to happen, understand that we have the ability. Now, if sometimes it makes you look a little crazy. Sometimes it may make you look a little fanatical, like a one of those Christians, a Bible thumper, if you will. I'm not telling you that you got to look weird or, or I, I say so carefully the word crazy, but sometimes people, especially if they're not believers, are not going to understand why you're leaning on a book that's an ancient text. They don't understand that it's living and breathing and it's real. But just like the soldiers and the priests and the people at the walls of Jericho, they walked around marching around in silence with trumpets blaring, they walked around it over and over and over, looking probably foolish to the average person, someone who's not a believer. And I can imagine what they were thinking. I, I can imagine that, that that some of them were walking around looking at each other thinking, man, this is stupid. This is absolutely ridiculous. Look at us. We're foolish. We're outnumbered. We're outgunned. We we don't have the ability to take this over. I know God said that, but that was so many years ago. And now the leader has got us walking around and around in circles while we're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which is this heavy, uh, uh, and I don't mean to... Um, to, to, to uh, lessen its significance, but it's a big piece of furniture, of gold furniture that holds the presence of God. And, and here we are marching around this and it's heavy and it's not that fun. And we got to be so careful with that. And then we're blowing ram's horns and, and all this stuff. Why can't we focus on trying to get food and, and shelter? But yet we're walking around and around and around. Can you imagine how foolish they must have looked. Now, let me ask you a question. What if they gave up too soon? What if they really did come to a point where they said, this is stupid, this is dumb, this is boring, this is whatever, and we're not going to do it anymore, and they just stopped? Well, the walls would have never fell down. They never would, or at least not this time, they never would have conquered Jericho and taken over what God had promised them. Maybe they would have had to wait, waited a whole nother generation to die off. And once again, a leader would have had to remind them of the promises of God. So I ask you, what is your Jericho city? 
What is the wall that you're faced with? Is it a financial burden? Is it your marriage is not working out? Maybe you're a single person and and, and you're looking for the right person, the right mate, and you just can't do it. It feels like she's not coming. He's not coming. It feels hard. Maybe you're sick right now. Maybe you're dealing with something that you didn't ever think was going to happen to you. And now you're in the midst of it and you're looking up at this giant mighty wall of Jericho. Well, here's what I'm going to say to you. Walk around one more time. I'm going to give you seven points that come from a resource um, that I found online. It's it, it's it's very helpful, I hope, and I hope it's going to give you um, some insight of how you can walk around the walls just one more time. Seven principles. Number one, focus on the power of our Lord, not the size of the problem. Listen, God, he is so big and mighty and massive. The Bible describes the earth, our our round blue ball that's out in space as his footstool. That's how large he is. So a problem that may be very large in our world, in our bubble, and, and seem uh, immeasurable and difficult to him it's nothing. It's small. It's tiny. And again, nothing takes him by surprise because he's not bound by a timeline like we are as humans. I, I want to let you know the Bible says, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that comes from Joshua, Joshua 1, nine. Joshua in the story of Jericho had strict obedience to God. It's a crucial lesson to us as Christians at every level of leadership, no matter if we're talking about church leadership or we're talking about just our personal lives, our, our jobs, maybe, maybe raising our children, we have to have a commitment and obedience to God. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to be perfect, but I am saying that we are now sons and daughters of the Most High, and so we need to live like it. We need to look like it. We need to sound like it and talk like it. Doesn't mean you're not going to have days where it's difficult. But I am telling you that through these principles that we're talking about today, we can overcome the obstacles that we're faced with. Number two, trust in God's plan even when it doesn't make sense. The Battle of Jericho was a very strange plan that God presented to Joshua. It it was odd to walk around the city for six days. It was odd that the priest was carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which again represented and carried the presence of God at the time. It it was interesting that, that, that the priest were able to blow trumpets, but the soldiers were to keep silent. It's strange that on the seventh day, they didn't just walk around once. They walked around seven times, and then Joshua gave them an order to shout, to scream. What a crazy thing to do. But let's keep in mind that when that happened, they proved themselves faithful. So maybe you're in a situation that that God has presented you with a plan, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to wait. It doesn't make sense to focus on certain things. It doesn't make sense. But maybe that strange plan that seems so odd and weird to us and even maybe a little difficult, maybe that is just putting our trust in God and proving ourselves faithful to him. Number three, see the supernatural in all situations. Now, let's talk about a stronghold. A stronghold in the English language it has two different meanings. 
The first meaning is a place that is fortified to protect against an attack. It's like the city of Jericho being walled up. Nobody could come in and nobody could leave. It was a stronghold. We can also say that it's a particular cause or belief or something that that is hard to overcome. So what's your stronghold? Maybe it's an addiction that you could say is a stronghold. It's hard to allow others in and you just can't seem to find your way out. Maybe it's maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's depression and anxiety. It's hard to get out of it. And over time, even though it's detrimental to us and it hurts, it becomes our safe place. But as believers in Christ, we need to decide that the Lord is our stronghold, not that substance, not that addiction, not that thought. He is our safe place. And according to Psalms 27.1, he is our refuge. Number four, surround yourself with other believers committed to the same goal. I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15.33. Listen, don't be deceived. Bad company can ruin good morals. My spiritual father used to say, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Yes, we should influence others to do better and to be better, but we must be cautious that they don't influence us in the wrong way. That's one of the reasons why uh, going to church is so important, getting involved in a community of believers. It doesn't matter the size, if it's very large, very small, or somewhere in the middle. It's it's a matter of coming in communion with a group of people that will stand by you, support you, pray for you, and love you, and keep you accountable. Not in a judgy, harsh way, but in a way that helps you to be propelled forward. Number five, keep putting one foot in front of the other. As Moses' apprentice, Joshua learned firsthand that he wouldn't always understand God's ways. Human nature sometimes made Joshua question God's plans, but instead he chose to obey and watch what happened. Joshua was an ex excellent example of humility before the Lord, and we have to understand that also. As I've said, walk around the wall one more time. Number six, follow God's instructions every step of the way. Listen, God still speaks, and sometimes his voice is a whisper. Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's through other people. Sometimes it's through reading his words. Sometimes it comes through dreams and visions and all sorts of different ways. I promise if you seek him, you will find him, and he will give you instructions. And until he gives you new instructions, follow the marching orders you have right now. Number seven, get ready for a season of joy. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Understand that the Spirit gives us joy. I want you to say this over yourself. The devil did not give it and he cannot take it away. You can also say the world didn't give it and the world didn't take it away. Joy is not momentary happiness. It's not just a good feeling. It's not just endorphins rushing through your mind. It's something much deeper than that. Joy is something that penetrates the soul. It's something that changes us from the inside out. Now, I want you to hear me when I say this. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes it's hard to know where to go from this point. Sometimes, sometimes you want to give up. And sometimes you need to take a break. 
It's okay to have a seat, sit down and relax, rest, but always, always, always get back up. I want you to know that Jesus, he knows what it's like to be tempted and he knows what it's like to overcome. He knows what it's like to battle in the flesh. Now, let me be clear. Jesus never sinned. He never did any of those things. But at one point, at one time, he was in human flesh. He knew what it was like to feel the things we feel. And the Bible says he beat all types of human temptation. That tells me that he overcame so that we may overcome as well. Whatever you're going through, be encouraged. It's going to be okay. There is joy at the end of this. The walls will come down. Let's walk around one more time. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice, God, whether they're listening on their commute or they're listening at home or or wherever they may be right now. God, I pray for the fruits of the Spirit. I pray specifically right now for joy. God, joy that, that overcomes obstacles. God, I pray, Jesus, that you give them strength and, and courage to walk around whatever situation, whatever difficulty they're facing one more time. And, and for them to obey the instructions you give them, God, give them peace of mind. Allow them to hear you, sense you, feel you, God, so that they and us can follow after exactly what you want us to, so that we can be better and more like Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, that you overcame the world, that you overcame every single sin and temptation, that you defeated disease and sickness and and everything and anything that would cause problems and issues within our health, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. God, by your stripes, we are healed, and I speak healing to every situation. God, I pray for fresh fire of the Holy Spirit, God, that every person listening to me will be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, God, for some for the very first time, and for others for a a brand new refilling, something fresh that seems new. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're good always and forever. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You just listened to the Millennial Preacher. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope you'll share with all of your friends and family, and also hit that subscribe button. By the way, you can find the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll look for new episodes again next week. Until then, we'll see you later.